needed this morning. time in prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the blessings of this day. Lord, even as we come together blessed, Lord, we don't want to forget that we have so many that are in need right now. Uh, Lord, all heavy on our hearts are our friends in Ukraine right now. That very tense situation. And Lord, we, we know that you're the God who is able to Lord, you're able to disrupt evil and to stop it in its tracks. And that's what we want, Lord. We want evil to be stopped. And killing and violence and war is evil. But Lord, we also know that you're the God who can take what man means for evil. And you can work it for good. We've seen you do that in our own lives, Lord. We've seen you do that in this world. And so, Lord, we, we know that while we pray, please stop it, Lord. We also know that, that if these hearts are hardened like Pharaoh's and they don't turn, that you can take what man means for evil and you can work it for good. And we pray that we would continue in the energy not only of trusting you to work good through evil, but be the agents who work good in the face of evil. Lord. And then, Lord, we pray and we ask for our time together, Lord. Lord, we've, we've been celebrating and we've been singing and we're going to continue celebrating the work that's going on uh, in, in, through, through Sozo Ministries, Lord. And here's what we want, Lord. Uh, we want our hearts and our minds to be open to the work there and to the realities on the ground. Lord, we, we, we want to be, our, our zeal for missions to be renewed. Lord, um, and Lord, we also want to know how we can pray for and support our friends there even more, Lord. So show us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. We pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Um, I'm going to invite uh, Scott and Liz to go ahead and come on up. Uh, Y'all welcome them as they come. Uh, Y'all are going to have to share a microphone. I set my microphone down somewhere this morning, and I can't find it. Um, and uh, I, I went to go uh, search for it, and, you know, 
whatever. Um, so, uh, so I'm thankful for Miss Felisa. Let me borrow her precious microphone. I will, I'll take good care of it. I will not spit into it too much, okay? Um, uh, so some of y'all know uh, Scott and Liz. Some of y'all do not. Um, but uh, Scott and I uh, both went to Arlington Baptist College, which is now Arlington Baptist University. And, uh, and I, I can tell you the best thing that I got out of, uh, out of Arlington Baptist College was uh, some deep relationships. Um, and uh, Scott and I have had a, a deep friendship all the way back to our college days. And um, we, we used to um, we kind of were like love-hate, I think, with our theological uh, musings. We would, we would always get into these, you know, these tense theological discussions, disagreements, and, uh, and, and just kind of trying to challenge one another, and, 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 and we loved it. Everybody else thought that we were, like, mad at each other, and then we would, like, you know, man, that was great. Okay, well, we could agree to agree, or we could agree to disagree, or we could, you know, live to fight another day, but we were always going to be buddies at the end of it, and, uh, and, uh, and it's funny. Uh, we, we continued that on uh, early in our after-college years for a bit, but now we just... I, I think we've decided we can't change each other's minds, so, you know, what's the use? Um, and, uh, and he doesn't like to admit whenever he's wrong, so. Um, I don't have that problem. Uh, I, I will happily admit it if the day comes. <laughs> if the day comes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so Scott, uh, he, he's, this, he's always had a heart for missions, knew that he was going to do missions. Uh, he and our buddy Micah, uh, just right out of college, um, they said, we're going to go take six weeks and travel through Africa and see what the Lord is going to do. And, and I believe it was in that initial trip that a lot of things began, that you, some connections and things started being formed that are valuable for you even today. And, uh, and so, yes, Scott's served in, he's served in Haiti, he served in Mexico, he served in Africa. I don't know if I'm missing anywhere else, uh, a lot of places. Yeah, all right, well, you can tell them that then. Um, but uh, then uh, a number of years ago, uh, Scott met this wonderful woman. It was uh, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what happened to her, but then Liz came along. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're, we're celebrating uh, Brother Mitch and Miss Felisa this morning, but um, they got to relive something the other night. Um, so uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about what y'all got to relive the other night? Um, yeah, some of you know my aunt, Joetta. She's here this morning, and, and about seven years ago in February, uh, Joetta said she would watch Marley, who was five at the time, had just turned five. And uh, Liz and I, Liz was actually working down here at the time. She was traveling with a company, so we came to hang out. Um, so when she got off work, Joetta kept the kids. We went down to Guido's down on the seawall and uh, afterward walked out on one of the little juddies, and I got down on a knee and proposed. So uh, we got to relive that moment because my aunt is still happy, even though we've added two other kids with Marley. My aunt is happy to keep the kids. And uh, so we got to go down and eat at Guido's and just walk on the beach and reminisce and then actually got a whole night away in the hotel. So yeah. it was good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, um, I'm glad that y'all got to relive that and glad that that special moment happened here uh, close to us and we can uh, always share that uh, together. Uh, this morning, of course, y'all are here um, and uh, uh, we want to hear a little bit about what's going on. 
uh, with uh, Sozo Ministries. But for those who don't know Sozo Ministries, know the work that y'all are doing in Uganda and in other countries there in Africa, how about you just give us like a little synopsis of what, what, it, what it is uh, y'all's ministry entails? Yeah, so after Bible college, I started, um, I, I was working, I don't know if you guys support Mission Quest, Mike Starling, those guys. I was interning with Mike Starling through college uh, with Mission Quest. So I was in Mexico with them. I went to Ukraine with them the first time when we went with the Sullivans over there. I think you have him in a couple of weeks. Is he coming? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we were doing that, and it was under Mike's authority that I went to Uganda the first time. I was in Mexico with him for a month and then went to Uganda for the first time, and we traveled, uh, and it was a crazy trip. Came back, and I came back convinced God was shutting down missions. I took a staff position at a church in West Texas, and then a year later, doors began opening. Um, when you guys really started supporting me, I was with Heart of God, um, and I was traveling with them as basically a traveling evangelist. So uh, we were, I was in Panama, Mexico, um, Haiti, India, Israel, Uganda, Kenya, South Sudan, was trying to get into Pakistan. All that was shut down. So, so I did miss a couple. You missed a couple. Yeah. And I'm probably missing a couple. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, through all of that, God just began increasing the work. Um, and what was cool was where Heart of God was building schools, doing orphanages, drilling water wells, all of those things. On the side, I got to start mentoring young pastors. I started getting to coach them in church planting, uh, correcting some theology. There's a lot of bad theology in, in East Africa. A lot of the prosperity gospel and those things have crept in. Uh, John Piper says that's the American church's biggest export to Africa is the prosperity gospel. Um, so just mentoring and coaching and training and, and, and discipling and helping these young pastors. Um, in 2015, it became, well, end of 2014, it became very evident that my time with that ministry was gone, actually right around that same time. Um, I got engaged with Liz. There was, some, there was really some conflict because Liz already had Marley. They didn't want children on the mission field. There were some other internal disagreements on how to do things. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but we stepped out and, and felt like the Lord told us it was time to launch our own um, church planting and equipping ministry. And so we took the word sozo. Um, it's a Greek word in the New Testament for saved. If you read Mark chapter 16, it says, He that believes and is baptized will be saved. That's the Greek word sozo. Um, and so uh, basically it means salvation ministries. We just liked the the feel of the, you know, the, the it feels exotic yeah. to yeah. <laughs> use the Greek um, and so immediately when we registered the ministry here in the U.S., got our nonprofit, uh, God just put us on a fast track. We, I went to Uganda that year. He opened some doors. Um, we got married that year. Um, I had I, a lot of my schedule. I think I was scheduled for three months in East Africa, and it got shut down to two weeks. But in that two weeks, God opened some doors, laid a foundation, um, and all of these young pastors that I had been mentoring and training and, and helping plant churches were like, but... You're, you've become a spiritual father to us. Now you have to register here um, because the way things work in Uganda, churches have to have a legal covering as well. Um, so we registered there. We've registered in Kenya. We now have we, we now cover 34 churches that that either I helped open before or we have planted and opened since. Um, and so I spend most of my time training pastors or writing training materials so that when I can get them together. And so that's... We, we do evangelism, we do church planting, and we do leadership development are our three. We do other things on the side, but those are, those are the main, the that's main, the main thrust. focus of y'all. 
And uh, that's awesome. So 34 churches. So, so here's what you got to see here, right? So we support uh, them personally, uh, and we support their ministry. And, 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 and so our, our collective effort goes to them, and now it's impacting out of those 34 uh, churches, you know, thousands of thousands people. people, right? Isn't that really, really cool? Well, Thank and you. see how that all gets together. I'll, I'll add to that. We have 34 churches, but through our trainings, I have developed an entire discipleship strategy training that I've had the opportunity to train thousands of pastors through our conferences in discipleship methods. Um, through our crusades and, and our outreaches, we partner with other churches. But our requirement is those churches have to go through our training to receive new believers. So if somebody makes a profession of faith, I'm not just giving that card to anybody. We want to know that they're going to be walked with and discipled. And so even we have 34 churches, but I've had the, the privilege of training thousands of churches to receive, and we've had tens of thousands of people saved through our, our outreaches, and that's to your credit as well. Well, no, it's all to God's credit, right? I mean, uh, we just get to partner and participate, and I just want us to see how this partnership works out. Um, and you said something just a second ago about, um, you know, somebody makes a profession of faith, and that doesn't seem to be like, oh, we, yeah, that's good. That's, a, that's it. There's a, more to this. Uh, that y'all that y'all want to focus on. So yeah, would just if I explain that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to do a crusade in Africa. You, you presenting something new, and they say, "Yes, I don't want to go to hell. I do want to go to heaven." You know, they want to accept Christ, but we often say, "You don't go to the fields. You don't pick all the apples from the tree, set it on the ground, and then walk away." Hmm. You want to preserve your harvest. So at these crusades, or at a door-to-door outreach, or whenever people are leading people to Christ, it's not just, oh, say a prayer, all right, I got another convert, oh, I got another convert. We're not counting the numbers like that. We're looking at people that are accepting Christ and then preserving the harvest. Mm. So like he said, we have these crusades that are different places, thousands of people accept the Lord, and we have teams that go out there and they get their information, they say, you know, what village are you from, what area of this community are you from, and then we find churches in those areas with pastors that he has worked with to explain why is discipleship important. These are new believers. Nothing is going to change unless they are discipled. They have to be invited into the church body. They have to be invited, welcomed, trained, taught, raised up, discipled in order to live the Christian life. So that's why it's not just seeing these amazing numbers and salvations, but we're actually seeing fruitfulness that's being preserved and then multiplied because of the trainings that he's done. And like he said, it's thousands of pastors across the country of Uganda Mm. and Kenya. So this is East Africa that is now being impacted with not just how to preach the gospel and get a salvation card filled out, but actually have someone who will be preserved and mature in Christ. So that's super exciting to me. And again, Thank you guys for partnering with these things because it, it is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love that image of a preserve, you know, because um, that is it. And, and what, what do we want to do? We want to persevere as saints, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so what a beautiful image. Thank you, um, Scott. I was just going to say, when we teach discipleship, we teach it in a mirror of real life. Yeah. So if we talk about new birth, you would never, I mean, people do, but, you know, holy people... God's people would not give birth to a baby and then walk away. Mm. Um, that baby won't survive. You know, you, we've got all kinds of parables like the, the seeds, the birds come and snatch it, the weeds strangle it. You can't, just, you can't just leave it. And so when we talk about discipleship, we teach four levels. 
The first level is evangelism. It's the conception up to the new birth. Mm-hmm. You know, we believe birth begins before, or life begins before birth. Yeah. God is already working in their life even before they get saved. You've got to get them to that point. A mother spends nine months getting a baby ready for new birth, yeah. for, for birth. So we, we teach evangelism is level one. Level two is that new baby. Uh, a brand new baby depends on mom and dad for everything to clean themselves up, to learn repentance, to learn to deal with their sin, to, to, to walk toward baptism. To get their life cleaned up, they need help. To get fed, a baby depends on mom and dad. So you've got to give the new Christian topical teachings. What is the Bible? What is prayer? Just the basics of our faith. Then you move to what we call level three discipleship, which is like my five-year-old up to my 12-year-old. They're learning to do things for themselves. We, we, we talk about in that level, this is where you teach them to read the Bible for themselves, to pray for themselves, to start hearing the Holy Spirit's leading in their life for themselves. They, they shouldn't have to come back. My, my, my 12-year-old daughter right there, if, if she yelled out to me, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm yelling at her, make a sandwich. <laughs> she can yeah. care for herself. If, you know, my four-year-old, he'll still yell, Daddy, I'm, I'm finished in the bathroom. Come, yeah. he- I'll yeah. go help him. If my 12-year-old was yelling, Daddy, I'm finished, <laughs> she's grounded. We've got a problem. <laughs> and, and so we start lean, growing right. in maturity, doing things for yourself, hearing God through His Word and, and prayer and those things for yourself. And then when we talk about level four discipleship, I always use my wife as the picture. My 12-year-old can feed herself. She can clothe herself. She can care for herself. My wife, if we invited all of you to our house, she can prepare a meal for all of you. She can take care of others. And so we start talking about growing in maturity where you can begin to pour out, where you start discovering your giftings, what is God calling you to. You get a vision for leadership within the church. You learn to to evangelize the lost because what's the mark of maturity in humanity? You can give birth. You can reproduce. So you're a church of disciples making disciples. That's maturity. And so that's what we... Obviously, this is a full couple of days training on how you do each level, but that's the gist of what we're training churches in. That's awesome. That's awesome. So good. And uh, thank you for unpacking that. That's how we have taught that um, that whole life uh, life stages, right? Yeah. And um, and and, it, and it's a good way forward. And um, you know, so we. we yeah, um, I, it's always good. Like I love hearing those things freshly. Uh, too, and uh, y'all, y'all articulate it very well. Um, I know, um, Liz, uh, that there is a special ministry that you've uh, become involved in, and some special favor that God's shown you. And so, um, so can you tell everybody a little bit about this uh, special ministry and uh, and the opportunities that you've had and that that you see going forward? Uh, I'll give a little bit of the details. Yeah, God has given me great favor with both the government, with the police, and with Muslims in our community. Where we live, the map shows up again, but for East Africa, our city has the largest Islamic university. And in that university, it's Sharia law. So, you know, you have to be fully covered. You have to, it is Sharia, Islamic law, rules, everything there. But there's a radio program that's there, and the radio program's director, um, he, I had talked to him about some community events that I was doing, and he wanted me to come on the radio and talk about it. So I dressed appropriately. I came onto campus. I was talking to him, 
And after talking to him a few times, he's like, you know, you're, you're different, you're good. And I, I did openly share on the radio that I'm doing this because God and the Holy Spirit is putting it on my heart to do these things. You know, I have a love for the people here. I have a love for this place. I was able to share some scripture on the radio. I did it very respectfully because I'm not trying to hijack their program. But because I did it out of love and respect, they've invited me to come back many times. They don't want me to wear the burqa. They said, no, no, you're different. We like you. you. We like you. You be you. So as a Christian woman, I am the only woman allowed on this campus with, with nothing, like, covering me, which is favor, great favor. And I think God has given me some ideas on how I can further love the Muslim people in that region by doing things through the radio programs and also with and I have also got some <laughs> some young girls that I met through the program as well and we do community cleanup programs which doesn't sound beautiful and amazing but it's showing the people of Mbali and of Uganda that they can take pride in their land and that they can keep their own areas clean and that they can do these things and through that I've been able to really witness and minister to them they come over to our house and they watch Jesus cartoons even though they're teenagers they're like oh TV ooh, cartoons and they ask me can we watch the Jesus cartoons I'm like yeah of course and these are specifically and, uh, these are the Muslim, Muslim girls Muslim teenagers yeah. and another thing so normally Muslim girls have to have a male escort go with them. But because they're families who are all Muslim, they've heard me on the radio, and they're like, no, we like Miss Liz. We like her. She's a good woman. You can go to her house. You don't need an escort. So, again, great favor. Um, and I just I know God's about to do a lot more things within all of those communities, so that's really exciting. And uh, That's beautiful. That yeah. really, like, actually, like, brings tears to my eyes just thinking about, you know, Think about this. Did you sitting uh, sitting back in West Texas, dreaming, having visions about what the ministry was going to look like? Could you have ever foreseen this? No. Yeah. No. And a, a big thing is sometimes people go out with an agenda just to make a convert, mm. and that's not what it's about. Mm. You got to love the person, and I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see Christ's love. I want them to experience freedom in the Lord. I want them to know the Lord. I don't want to just say this prayer, get converted. I'm not out to make converts. I'm out to let people know how much Jesus loves them and let them experience abundant life in Christ because that's where it just gets really cool, and that's where it's fun. So, yeah. That's awesome. So good. So very good. Um, Man, isn't it so sad that we've taken this beautiful message of the gospel, this good news, and we've reduced it to, you know, kind of a cost-benefit analysis? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go? Who, who in their right mind, unless you just reject the idea of hell? That's what you have to do, right? But who in their right mind would say no? Or we've reduced it just to a list of suppositions. Do you believe these facts about Jesus? Whenever it's a relationship, and it's a thriving, vibrant relationship. I tell my pastors over in Uganda, you know, if I take my my four-year-old or my five-year-old, and I say, you know, do you want a spanking or do you want ice cream? That's not a hard decision. And that's the gospel message I heard throughout my whole life. I, you know, I went to every youth event, every VBS, and, and this was at every church growing up. You know, summer, I was at VBS at the Methodist, then the Baptist, then the Pentecost. I was at every one of them. <laughs> Your mom I, did not want you at the house. 
And then high, <laughs> high school, every youth event, every fifth quarter, and I got saved every single time because it was always Amen, brother. either Amen. either pray the prayer or you're going to hell. That's not a hard decision. Yeah. But it, it took a lot of unpacking to really dig down later and go, what is salvation? And do I really have faith? Do I really love Jesus? Do I want him to be Lord of my life and follow him or not? Yeah. And And... Yeah, it's sad that we've watered the gospel down to a quick choice between ice cream or a spanking. I was thinking about this, um, reading Isaiah 42 the other day, and, um, you know, the announcement is, you know, here's my servant, and my spirit's going to be on. He's going to open blind eyes. Well, the surprise of that text is, who are the blind ones? It's Israel who are the blind ones, the ones who should have known. Um, And... And, and, and I was thinking about this, like, in, in light of missions and just this idea that, like, like, we have to be really careful that we aren't, like, you know, we're sending people out because we think that the people in Uganda are blind when we have blind spots ourselves. And, you know, I think about that in light of this idea, you know, you can have a big conference, you can put on a show, as it were, an event, and and then you can get you can you can tally up the converts. Do y'all think that's different in America? And sometimes we are so moved by that. Oh, look at all the oh they had bounce houses and they had all this stuff going on. And I'm not against any of that. But then we're like, and then we're like, oh, and look, and all these people said yes to Jesus. Did they say yes to Jesus? And if they did, what happened next? This is why, like, as a church, we, you see, be disciples, make disciples, be disciples, make disciples, ad nauseum, because we are not, we are not going to be satisfied that somebody goes, you know, checks the box. I said the prayer. And we've talked about this before, that prayer is become, I mean, we've, we, we mocked Catholicism and railed against Catholicism and infant baptism, and the prayer is no different as many of us have proclaimed it, sadly. Many of us had it taught to us, sadly. What Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. Yeah, yeah. But real, the grace of God is costly. Yeah. It costs Christ his life, and it's going to cost you your life to follow yeah. him. You've got to lay it down. So let me, so, so let's just say this. So you do events. You do trainings. You do conferences. You do these things, but, you know, y'all also are pouring your lives into people, right? So those pastors who come and those pastors who have entrusted themselves to you, is that just because you could preach a good lick? Or is it because you've opened up your life to them? Ugandans are told, don't let white people preach in your church Hmm. because they can't preach, they have no power, they have nothing to say. So if a white person comes to your church... Take their love offering, but don't let them preach. Hmm. I'm not ju- that is taught in African seminaries. Hmm. Um, I've heard that from multiple pastors. Um, my pastors are continually looking at me saying, Pastor Scott, what makes you different? Why are you different than the others? And it's not because I'm preaching different. It's not because any of that. It's because I am willing to open up my life, open up my home. Not a week goes by that we don't have pastors in our house coming over for dinner, spending the night with us. Um, they, they're, they're not just seeing the good thing in the pulpit, you know, the, the pastor who can put on the right clothes, preach the right message, say the right words, do everything 
publicly to look good, but they're seeing the messy. They're seeing when my kids have me so stressed out that I'm losing my mind. They see when I'm struggling with finances because we don't have enough. They, that's like, they don't have that concept that Americans don't have enough money sometimes. Right. right. They think yeah. Americans are rich, they're poor. So we're, and so, um, it's, so it's definitely that vulnerability before them to say, look, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm struggling. I'm, me and my wife are fighting. My kids are driving me crazy, and I'm trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and and do better because of what He, the grace in Him, to to pass yeah. that along. And you know, anytime I preach a crusade, it's I share my story. I share that in high school I was an alcoholic mm-hmm. at 16. At at 14, I was experimenting sexually with men and with women. Mm-hmm. I I share that I I was doing drugs. I share that when I joined church at 16, I was drinking with my youth pastor on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. I share the mess because I want them to see what you're looking at now is not who I was. It's by the grace of God. And so when I share the before and the after, every time I preach a crusade, I have young people coming up, throwing down drugs, saying, I'm, I'm done with this. I want to follow Jesus. You know, confessing guys coming up smelling like alcohol, saying it's not giving me joy and life and happiness like I thought. I need what you have. Mm. The president of Uganda will tell you there's no homosexuals in Uganda. Mm. It's illegal. It's death penalty. But I've got young men and women coming up saying I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. How can I get free? And it's because I'm willing to be vulnerable about the process, the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and that, look, I, I may be the one up here with the Bible, but I'm not the, the perfect one. Jesus is the perfect one. Yeah. And we're all in process of coming to him to become like him mm-hmm. that, that they respond. And so whether it's unbelievers, Muslim girls who want to hang out at our house, pastors who are texting me continually right now, when are you coming back? We miss you. They don't miss the conference. Yeah. They don't miss the event. It's not when are we doing the next conference. It's when are you coming back because yeah. it's that life-on-life life interaction yeah. of, of pulling each other to Christ. Yeah. And I've grown as much as they have. Yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of ministry is, yeah. is when you get into ministry, you either get close to Christ or it's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's good. That's so good. Um, and I think that's just, for us, we need to glean that. We need to understand. We can't be blind and say, man, if we have, like, big events and we have all these things that go on, that's it. We will do those things, but this is where our lives, and it's not just because Scott and Liz are missionaries that they're equipped to do this. It is because, it is, Scott, I, I, I believe this. If you were living in West Texas and you were still driving a, um, a truck uh, going around uh, emptying up wastewater from, um, from the, um, the plants there, that uh, if, if this was who you are, this is who you were living as, that you would be the same guy there. You would have people. You might not have 34 pastors. You might not have 34. You would have some people that you were pouring your life into. And this is what, what I want us to see as we think about missions. You know, we, we, are, we, we want to financially support missionaries. We want to prayerfully support missionaries. But we want to be on mission ourselves. And being on mission, that doesn't mean that you have the Romans road memorized. Being on mission is that we can go and we can pour our lives into people. And we can be open. We can be vulnerable. And we can just walk together. And let me add one yeah. more thing. Um, because I, I know I'm up here, I'm the missionary, we're the heroes Superhero. of the day, all of that, but it's not me. 
It's, yeah. it's all the grace of God. And Macaulay can tell you, he's seen me in my worst times. He, you know, he's not my Catholic priest, but he, he's heard my confession when I'm struggling with serious issues. He's heard those things. Uh, I'm, I tend toward introversion. Okay? I, Macaulay can tell you, I don't do small talk well. Like if we're talking theology, it's robust. I'll, I'm in. I'm all there. But if we're talking about the weather, and I, I'm out. I yeah. like I check out. I, I tend towards introversion. I have anxiety issues. I have insecurities that you know. I feel like I can't do this. I'm not qualified. Why would God use me? But that's the grace because Jesus called fishermen. Mm-hmm. He called the ones that were sent home and told, "You're not good enough. Go go back and and do what your family's Learn done." Learn a trade. For, yeah. yeah learn a trade and yeah. and Jesus called him and he he's what enables us and so he's called us to Africa and there's a grace on that and and I, I'm so thankful for that but he's called you to Friendswood he's called you to the Houston area and it's not about you mm-hmm. it's about him and he'll give you the grace for those day-by-day interactions to 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 speak his word to love people to open your home whatever it looks like yeah. So but good. I, I, I just want to be clear. It's not me. Yeah. It's all his yeah, No, grace. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I'm just joking. Um, for sure. No, and I thank you. Because one of the things that I even put in our blurb this week was like, hey, our people coming together is going to be an encouragement to you. And, and, and there was like a lot on my heart my mind. But one of the things that I thought is don't think because you're, they're missionaries. Y'all don't have a – y'all don't have like an S on your chest that makes you impervious to discouragement, to despair. Uh, to being overwhelmed and anxious about things, and so um, and so, thank you for sharing that. Hey, um, just you know, as you're getting ready, y'all are leaving March 24th. Y'all are headed back to Uganda. Uh, they've only been here since the end of September. Um, they just came back, uh, yeah, and uh, for uh, this short furlough. And um, but y'all are going back um, March 24th. Um, you're going to continue uh, doing all the things that you've been doing, um, but I, I know that there's a couple big things that you uh, that you see uh, big picture um, items that uh, that the Lord's kind of laid on your heart. I want you to be able to share that with our church so that we can know so that not only can we pray for these things with you, but also you know we want to know hey how can we support you more in this endeavor? Yeah, so one of the things we were working toward, especially right before COVID hit, was. Um, launching our, our official pastor's training program. It, it, we've designed a nine-month school that will be first year, and then second, uh, yeah, the second year will be, um, will be more practicals, hands-on, internship style, because we have a lot of young people coming out of our churches, looking at ministry, wanting to open churches. And like my wife said, it's easy to, easy to do a crusade in Uganda. I can open a church in two weeks. Um, we can go into a village, we can knock on every door in the village, we can do a crusade, we can gather all those people who get saved together on Sunday morning, have their first church service, the second week do a discipleship conference all week, the second Sunday put in a pastor and we've got a church. Our problem is not church planting, that's easy. Our problem is having leaders who are able to take the church. And so um, we've designed our, all the curriculum, we've got everything together, and we were kind of doing our test run through the pastor's training, and then COVID hit, and we went on lockdown. So that's where my attention is really going toward training people for, for full-time ministry. Um, I told Macaulay last night, I am nervous because I feel... I have felt a lot of pressure from God's spirit on me that it's the season to buy land and actually build the facility that's going to host um, our school 
and a conference center where we can run, you know, one or two Saturdays a month, an open seminar for any leaders that want to come. You know, quarterly we'll run bigger conferences, have people like you come and, and pour out and and speak um, people like you um, and then it but it'll have our our school uh, and so I was already looking at the budget for that just the land itself we're looking at twenty five thousand dollars plus depending on where we can buy land um, and so that was one big thing that I was already leaning toward and then our national director in Kenya called me um, and he said that he, he just got notice for where his church is, which is kind of our primary base in Kenya. It's our biggest church. He oversees all of our other churches in Kenya under my leadership. Uh, that's him on the right in that picture, actually, by me. Um, their, their landlord came in and said, hey, when your lease is up in September, you guys got to go because I'm developing my land. And so I prayed, God, what are we going to do? And I heard the Lord speak the same words, buy land and build. And mm-hmm. so now I've got to buy land in two countries. Um, and that one has a deadline by August, we've got to have some place for them to go. Uh, and then the other biggest thing is we drive a 21 or 22 year old land cruiser that breaks every time I touch it. Um, we, every time I'm in the village, last time I drove it into the village, we were coming back and a brake line broke. Um, thankfully it's flat in that area. Um, so I, I was driving with the emergency brake until we could get to a village where they actually had a mechanic that could patch it up to get us home. Um, so it's every time. So I've got to get a new vehicle cause that's our, we have a minivan for the family that can drive around town and it's mediocre, but it works. But the Land Cruiser is our, I mean, you're looking at pictures of some of the places that we have to drive that you I think she put in a picture of the Land Cruiser stuck in mud that'll <laughs> pop up. Um, we need a... It's like big, big tires. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's lifted. It's just a little mud um, Yeah. So we've got to get a new, a new Land Cruiser, a new four-wheel drive vehicle as well. Yeah. Because um, I love it. It's a beast, but it breaks a it's lot. It's um, yeah. we're, we're slowly replacing it piece by piece, yeah. and I would like <laughs> the grace to just replace it all in one swoop. Yeah. Um, and then... God's opened some doors this year for me as well. Um, I've started mentoring a couple of young guys in India electronically. We're putting one of them through Bible college. Um, but I've been telling them after COVID, I will come and we'll do some, I'll do the discipleship training there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping to get to India this year. I'm also scheduled to go to Brazil in May uh, for some leadership training stuff. So God's opening other doors. And so all in all, I'm looking at $120,000 needed this year mm-hmm. just to get started on the land, to get the vehicle and to do those other things. And uh, I don't know that our ministry has ever brought that much total in a year. Yeah. And so that's a big prayer request. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not just a prayer request. It's if you have that you can give to it. Y'all can give through our church and say, hey, I want I want to help them get their new vehicle. And, uh, and you can do that uh, as a church. We'll talk about it as leaders in the church and what we can do uh, to partner with y'all in this. Um, so, so, you know, I know it's a prayer request, but also it's a down. When people say, what do missionaries yeah. need? Money. <laughs> Our brother and sister there, can, we need money. That's what we need. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've got the spirit of God. We've got the word of God. We need cash to yeah. go and do what he calls us to do. <laughs> there you go. So I like it. Last that. week we talked about it. Just kind of, it's, we're, we can help meet some practical needs, and, uh, and, and to whom much is given, much is required, and y'all been given a lot of grace by God, and we've been given some, uh, uh, some affluence in our region um, so that we, um, we should be able to 
meet together, and then that's how we, as the body, the big body, not just this one body, but the big body, mm -hmm. right? Um, On that note, that's how we work together. Talking about the big body, I think American churches, myself included, before I went over there, don't recognize the body of Christ being globally. And mm -hmm. I know that you'd you'd prayed about it, and and it's just interesting that when we're over there, all of all of these guys. All of those guys, they literally say, please greet the church, greet our brothers and sisters, please greet the church, because they recognize that we are one family, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, mm. it's just really beautiful that all of these little village churches, they recognize a connection spiritually in the body of Christ, so, you know, you, you're loving them through us, and they appreciate it, and they say thank you, because whenever we do anything with them, they recognize that it's not us that we tell them we have people that are supporting us to be here and they send their appreciation and their thanks and their greetings and their love so it's just kind of cool to be aware that you guys do have brothers and sisters who do recognize that you're over here and they love you so yeah, yeah. brothers from other mothers sisters from other misters right yeah um hey one thing that i wanted to say about the necessity of that training i mean you made it clear like you can open up a church real quick but i also remember reading a number of years ago that it's not only that you can open up a church really quick and in and, and church planning you can move through, but that there are people who are pastoring churches who trusted Christ six weeks ago. Uh, right? There, there's a, a picture. And, um, and, and I'm talking about this being an unhealthy yeah. thing, right? That's why it's necessary well, that we have – yeah. There's a picture of the tent building with the background. That started because a woman got saved. There was no church in her area. She she opened a little prayer room beside her house. She said, we're going to build a prayer room. Um, and she started witnessing to her neighbors. They started gathering. She built it to about 30 people and, and was leading. And she finally said, we need a pastor. I can't do this. I don't know the Bible. She was listening to Christian radio with her Bible open so that she would have something to teach. Prosperity gospel is all you get on the radio. Mm -hmm. and, and so they said, we got to call a pastor. Well, what do you know? A pastor came along. And I think I told you the story. Yeah, but um, I share this, please. He, yeah. the short version, because I know um, we're not in in a Ugandan church on Ugandan time. Um, in Uganda, we get out of church at like two, three in the afternoon. So uh, I'm I'm more than happy and to everybody stay. said, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> but so a pastor showed up. They had this guy leading. They started seeing supernatural stuff happening. People, you know, miracles breaking in, all this stuff. And after two years, he had blown the church up to about two hundred people. In the building, I'll point it out when it comes back up in a second, um, most people were sitting outside on the side of the road. All this stuff's going on. And then he started cursing people that he didn't like. He started sleeping with all the young choir members um, to pass his anointing to them. And they, they started going, what is going on? Um, this is actually baptizing members of that church. Uh, I'll, I'll get there in a second. I think it may be the next one is the picture. Um, so they ran him off. They found one of our pastors. It's not that one. They, they found one of our pastors nearby and said, can you come help us? We think this guy's a problem. He went in. He said, yeah, this is demonic. This is witchcraft. This is... Well, then when they started tracking him down who this guy is, he's the son of the chief witch doctor of the next district over. He was posing as a pastor. And yeah, so she ha that's the church. Um, I still, Liz gets mad at me because I call it the witchcraft church because it was under witchcraft. So the first Sunday I went, I preached straight gospel message and the majority of the people got saved. The next time I went back, we had to do some deliverance to break off the curses and all these things that had been put on them. We face a lot of witchcraft. That whole mountain is witchcraft. 
Um, those are the crazy missionary stories that we're not always at liberty to share because people are like, you're making that up. Yeah. Um, it's that, that's one of our stories. And, and people got free, and then we baptized in that river, and I think we baptized about 40 people. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. it, we need solid leaders who are trained and ready to go. Yeah, good, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for doing the work. Um, listen, uh, I could talk to you all um, a little bit more. Um, and uh, I bet everybody else would be interested in talking to y'all more, but some people, you know, some people live by the clock and die by the clock and, um, they would not make it in Uganda, but, uh, but that's fine. They weren't, they weren't put in Uganda. They were put here in Friendswood. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to, um, conclude our time together. Um, but I'm going to encourage y'all if y'all have more, uh, more questions. Um, Scott and Liz will be back there um, in the in the or- entryway. Uh, y'all can talk to them then. Um, you can get their number. You can uh, get their email. And, um, and and here's what I want us to do. Why we bring missionaries in is so that we can also build relationship with them. It's easy for you to know them and to pray for them whenever you actually interact with them. And so um, and and so I would encourage y'all to you know take some ownership of that. Um, get uh, get to know them a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, they send out their their newsletters or prayer newsletters. You might get on their um, their their email list so that you can receive those. Um, but here's what I want to do um, as we do close this uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to pray over y'all, and um, and then and then after I pray, I want us to just to have like a a, a bit of reflection. Because I know the Spirit of God's been going. We've heard some really good, not just information, we've heard some good teaching today. And, um, and you know, I know we, I didn't stand up here, and I wasn't the only one talking, but there, there was some preaching going on today. The Spirit of God was working. And, uh, and I want to know, I want you to talk to God about what God's talking to you about. So we're going to have a time of reflection over that. And then, uh, and then our praise team will be back up, and we'll we'll sing a great song. It's "How Great Is Our God," and I think it's a fitting way for us to conclude today's service by worshiping the God who loves us so much that He took this broken West Texas boy and this old Carney. I always say she was a Carney. She was in the circus, y'all. Uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, you were a Carney. She's like, no, we're different. We're different. Like, I don't know. It's a racer's edge. Uh, I'm just joking. Took this girl out of the circus, but did not take the circus out of the girl. No. Uh, She passed that DNA to our children. (laughs) And saw these people who are hungry for truth, who are being fed lies. And worse, they are being fed a foul spirit, a dark spirit. Uh, Satan's masquerading as light. And because God loves them, he, he moved in their lives, he sent them, and they are doing a work. And because he loves them, he, he stirred our hearts and our minds and, and opened up our pocketbooks so that we would get behind them and support them and that we would bow on our knees and pray for them. And, 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 and it's because of God's great love that all this is happening. And, uh, and, our, our, and our hope is that the whole world, as Isaiah 42, let the whole world praise the Lord. And so let me pray over them. Y'all, um, after that, we can all have a bit of prayer, and then we'll sing How Great Is Our God.